Welcome to everyone here and to those watching online. It is fabulous to be together in worship this Sunday, having the kids lead worship, doing such a great job. You know, I didn't go to church as a child, so I don't have this experience in context. What I do remember, though, is being afraid of speaking in public, <laughs> and these kids have done an amazing job. Yes. I also remember wondering if God was real. I remember having that thought when I was seven years old. I don't know why I remembered that I was seven, but I remember being seven years old and wondering if God was real. Like most children, I observed by, I learned by observing, right? We observe by learning. Um, we watch our parents, we watch people around us, and I didn't have the context of watching people in church. But I observed my parents going about their day, living life in their community, doing errands. I remember sitting in the back seat of my parents' car, going to ballet, going to activities. Most of all, we remember when we see things don't go right and how someone responds, right? My parents sought to be people who were kind and patient, and they reliably demonstrated that to my brother and I. Because what we do as, an, as adults, when children are watching, is as important as what we say. Right, choir? Amen. So I was thinking of this a few weeks ago as I went out to lunch with Pastor Dave and Carlo. I sat in the back seat while Pastor Dave drove. He was driving us back to church. All of a sudden, there were police lights behind us. We were being pulled over. And it was a Las Gatas police officer. Nope, he wasn't speeding. It turned out it was something sort of boring. His registration was expired. <laughs> yep. Now, the officer knew Pastor Dave. I think they'd gone on a ride along together. They had a nice exchange. Pastor Dave apologized and promised to take care of the registration. Here is my view from the back seat. Now, you all know that Pastor Dave is a police chaplain, right? He's a pastoral resource to the town of Las Gatas, to the officers and others. I think he's, I think he's promising to uphold the law there. And one of the things Pastor Dave said during this was, oh, Theo would have been so sorry to miss this. Where is Theo? Were you sorry to miss this? Anyway... I said, you know, my friend Theo might have been pretty excited to see this, but I am too. I'm, I'm just older with a better filter than my friend Theo. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, for this sermon illustration. <laughs> yes. But here is how I thought of it. We want to be the kind of adults who don't want to hide our mistakes and our missteps from our kids. Pastor Dave didn't say, oh, I'm glad Theo wasn't here. Indeed, we want to be open and share that the right way is to admit, apologize, and fix our problems. That's clearly how Pastor Dave seeks to operate in his life. Now, before you go check this morning, he promises he will fix that registration. You're going to get all kinds of follow-up on this, my friend. So we've been in a sermon series about the greatest commandment given to God's people through Moses. 
and then shared by Jesus in the New Testament in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So let's all read that memory verse from the Gospel of Mark. You might already know it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So when Graydon read from the original, from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament Hebrew Bible, I love that after the familiar words about God, the people of God are encouraged to keep these words that I'm commanding to you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and rise. And then... We all had to recite them. Like, who could plan that better? We did not plan that. And sorry, Graydon, that we gave you the wrong text. Who could imagine that we would then put into practice exactly what we had just read? The Jewish people were to recite these words, much like we do with our memory verses. They were also to talk about it with their children, at home and away, morning and night, when driving around in the carpool lane. Okay, they didn't have cars yet, but if they did, Moses and God certainly would have included the carpool lane. Am I right? My kids are grown and I still remember the carpool lane. Repeating each day is familiar to those devout Jews as the Lord's Prayer is to us, although it's becoming familiar to us too, right? This amazing uh, invitation to love God with all of who we are. So we want to talk about who God is and our comings and goings, and that is why we want our kids in worship, not just because they're adorable, but because we want them to be included, to feel loved, to belong. Most of all, we want to show them that our faith is real, and we want to learn from each other. You might know that saying that faith is caught, not taught. Is that familiar to you? I didn't make it up, and I don't know where I heard it from. But it means that while we may teach about our faith, and that's important, where it really connects is where people experience that our faith is real. They observe us. They catch us where our faith is real. Faith is caught when we are walking around at home in a way. Faith is caught when we hear someone's story of trusting God, and it speaks to our heart. Faith is caught when we are serving others in places in our community and in places like Mexico or doing projects together. Faith is caught when you don't get defensive, but you listen to someone else and you fix your mistakes. Faith is caught when you work side by side, like our friend Carolyn Rosen, planting pumpkins with our children, letting them guide and direct, but letting them see that this is their space too. They planted, they experienced that this is their land also. They learn cooperation and patience from an adult who loves them, who wants to be their friend. And they even learned a bit of forgiveness, didn't they, Miss Carolyn? Someone stole from the pumpkin patch. And so they had to talk about forgiveness. So we are to recite these words, but it's more than memorization. It is caught. It is taught as we live our lives together. We're supposed to ponder the words of the Bible, sharpen our understanding, all generations together. 
And our second scripture lesson, you might have wondered when I was getting to that. Our second scripture lesson this morning is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 13. The Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and struggle, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. These are the things you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God is in every part of our journey, no matter what our age and stage, and we can all learn and grow with each other. A very wise older friend, my friend Larry, who's now in his mid-80s, he told me once that he always went into a mentoring or ministry relationship with younger people, anticipating that learning would be mutual. He didn't hold himself up here, despite being a man of great learning, experience, and knowledge. He's highly sought out to be a board member or an advisor or a leader of ministries, but he is very humble and a lifelong learner. He was always open to learning from younger people, and he's always been a role model for me. And that is what I've experienced with our college-aged ministry fellows every single year. I'm inspired, and I learn from them. I also find my faith strengthened as I spend time with our younger students. I've resumed teaching fourth and fifth grade Sunday school once a month, and I love it. Fourth and fifth graders, they have wisdom for us all. I have a video of some time that we spent together. The Holy Bible. The Bible, when you were baby Details from the Holy Bible, and then we become strong. So, what do you want to? What do you want to tell the little kids? Little uh, kids need to learn about how they, uh, Jesus died on the cross. They need to learn about the Holy Bible. That it doesn't really matter on what Bible you're on. It just matters that you get to one of the Bibles that you get enough details to know how to. You can believe in God. Remember that show, Are You as Smart as a Fifth Grader? <laughs> I think that's so wise, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, whether you're reading Little Baby Bible or whether you're reading the full script. God is in all parts of that. The most important thing is to know God and to know God loves you. God is in all of our stages. God is ever-present. God loves us in every stage of our development, and we do seek to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And today we're going to explore more about that strength part. You know, Pastor Dave told you last week that I asked to trade sermon themes with him, soul for strength, and that is true. But this week I really realized 
Strength is pretty complicated too, just like soul. Soul is an esoteric idea. Strength is a complicated, layered idea too, because who is strong but, but God, who's sovereign over all creation? How do we love with strength? Isn't love a soft and warm thing? What does it mean to love with strength? There's an approach in understanding the Bible that Bible verses help interpret other Bible verses. Scripture interprets Scripture. And why is this so? It's because we believe the big story of the Bible, of God's redeeming love for us, that it's a consistent story. It's not a Bible of random stories, but it has a purpose and a scope. So we can also look at multiple verses that address similar ideas to see things from different perspectives or gain new insights. So I'd love to do this today. Great and read from Deuteronomy, and I don't know if you noticed a difference in the passage between the Deuteronomy passage and the one that we're memorizing. In the passage from Mark, we love God with all our soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength. But in Deuteronomy, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Huh. So how do we equate these ideas of strength and might? Are they equivalent? How do we understand them? So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So sometimes it's interesting to go deeper in those words and explore what they mean. And when I was studying biblical languages, I was very interested in this word in Hebrew that we find in Deuteronomy as might, translated as might. It's an interesting word choice because there are other words that mean physical might and strength, endurance. But this is a different word, meod. It's a common word. It actually, it usually modifies something else. It's usually very or much. It usually modifies words you'd find it hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Very good or very long or something is described modified by this word. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your meod, very muchness. Very muchness. That sounds kind of weird. Doesn't that sound weird? That is weird. But let's talk about it and imagine loving the Lord your God with all your very muchness means being devoted and loving God with the essence of all of your abilities, your gifts, your aptitude, with a fullness of you and all that you are and everything that makes you unique. You know, in the creation story in the book of Genesis, as creation unfolds, God says what he has made is good. But after the day of creation that he creates humankind in his own image, God says, it is very good. It is meod good. So nothing about how we are formed, how you are formed, is wrong or bad. God says, love me with who you are, your very muchness. Yes, sometimes we don't make choices that are good, and we seek to do better, but that's not the essence of who we are. Sometimes, sometimes we are people who compare ourselves against others. Our abilities, our aptitudes, our formation, I knew I do that sometimes. Anyone else? But you and me, we are wonderfully made. Kids, wonderfully made. 
Does that remind you of something? Where do you see this reminder every Sunday? Yep, it's in the preschool wing where you start Sunday school together each week. It's a reminder that comes from the Psalms. The psalmist wrote about God in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 15, for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Friends, this is important. We are wonderfully made, and we're not hidden from God. Sometimes we want to hide who we are, wishing to be someone else. So come out and be yourself, no more nor less than your full selves. So I don't know who needs to hear this, but you are enough. You are enough just as you are. You are enough to be loved by God and to love God. Parents, grandparents, all adults who have children in their lives, you know, sometimes we do this thing. We project upon the children in our lives to be like us, but they should be who God has created them to be. We have influence, don't we? Because this is how humans are formed. Our identity is formed through relationships and sometimes others' expectations. It reminds me of that classic Hans Christian Andersen story, The Ugly Duckling. You know the ugly duckling, right? The swan's egg is hatched in a duck's nest, and he didn't look like the other ducklings, so he believed he was ugly. However, God didn't make him a duck. God made him a swan. And he discovered the truth later when he met other beautiful swans who helped him to reflect on who he was. So the lesson of the ugly duckling is we might believe we're wrong or broken if we're told we must be one way, a duck, if we're actually a swan, or vice versa. And while this is a child's tale, it has a profound truth that's been discovered by social scientists. Family systems theory helps us to discover a basic human truth. We define ourselves as people based on other people in our relationships, other people who surround us. As infants, as children, and as adults, we need to attach to others, but then we also need to separate from others. We have to learn how God makes us in his image, deeply relational, but also unique and distinctive. Being unique and distinctive is part of our ability to love. If we can't differentiate how we're formed and created, then we can't love with all our might, with all our very muchness. Loving God means finding yourself, loving yourself, finding what makes you uniquely very much, and knowing that you're enough just as you are. You know, think about this. We say to someone, I love you very much. Close your eyes and picture someone that you would say that to. Whether they're next to you or someone you hold in your heart and memory, Imagine them and say, I love you very much. I love you very much. Go ahead, say it. I love you very much. What do you love about them? You can open your eyes now. I think it's safe to say that the part of what you love about them is their uniqueness to you. They are distinct individuals. They are not a generic person to you. They are unique to you. They have a very muchness about them just like you do to God. 
Our love, our love of God is an invitation to mutual love. God first loved us. God sent Jesus to us, and we're to love God in return. And this is a transformational journey for us. In one of my very favorite books, a short book about the power of self-reflection, The Gift of Being Yourself, the author David Benner wrote, in order for us, in order for our knowing of God's love to be truly transformational, it must become the basis of our identity, our identity of who we experience ourselves to be, the I each of us carries within. It's an identity grounded in God would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that would come to mind is our status as someone who is deeply loved by God. So turn to someone next to you and say, you are deeply loved by God. You are deeply loved by God. So friends, wherever you are in your journey of life, you are deeply loved by God. He loves you very much. You are invited to respond to that love with all that you are, with your very muchness. You aren't either too much or not enough for God's love. You are wonderfully made and just right. So friends, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might strength, <laughs> and love your neighbor as yourself. This is our transformational journey of love in Christ. Amen.